business rock stars. Kelly Kennedy here. And today I wanted to introduce you to my business, Capital Business Development, where we don't just see businesses. We see your potential to change the world. We see your passion, your dedication, and drive to do something extraordinary. And we're here to help you bring that vision to life. At Capital Business Development, we understand that behind every business is a visionary, someone with the determination to make a difference. Whether you're a startup with a big idea or an established company aiming to expand your impact, we're here to support you every step of the way. Our mission goes beyond traditional business development. We're committed to nurturing your dreams and empowering you to achieve greatness. From strategic planning and networking to hands-on support and personalized coaching, we provide the tools and guidance you need to succeed. So if you're ready to transform your vision into reality, look no further than Capital Business Development. Visit us today at www.capitalbd.ca to learn more about how we can help you unleash your potential to change the world. Your dreams matter. Let's make them happen together. Thanks for listening. Let's get back to the show. Welcome to episode 16 of the Business Development Podcast. On today's episode, we start the first part of a two-part series with Colin Christensen, one of the most amazing serial entrepreneurs that I've had the pleasure to meet with and interview with. He has such an inspirational story. He is full of so much knowledge for us young entrepreneurs. I truly hope that you enjoy this story as much as I have. And make sure that you stay tuned next week for one of the most amazing entrepreneurial recovery stories you may have ever heard. Stay tuned. The great Mark Cuban once said, business happens over years and years. Value is measured in the total upside of a business relationship, not by how much you squeezed out in any one deal. And we couldn't agree more. This is the Business Development Podcast, based in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and broadcasting to the world. You'll get expert business development advice, tips and experiences, and you'll hear interviews with business owners, CEOs, and business development reps. You'll get actionable advice on how to grow business. Brought to you by Capital Business Development, capitalbd.ca. Let's do it. Welcome to the Business Development Podcast. And now your expert host, Kelly Kennedy. Hello, welcome back to the Business Development Podcast. This is episode 16. And today I'm really, really excited. I have an amazing guest today. One that honestly took my breath away a little bit, Colin. You are you are next level. And um, I think I talked in a previous episode about when I got some nerves when I met someone. Guys, it's Colin Christensen. That's that's the guy that I got nerves for. And we have him on the show today. And he's got not just one amazing story, but I think this is actually going to be a two-parter. And uh, I'm is so excited, so excited to introduce him. Colin Christensen is a massive advocate for early stage entrepreneurship. He spent 30 years starting, funding, growing businesses of his own. His current chapter is helping entrepreneurs around the world avoid needless failure. Among other endeavors, one of his favorites is a platform that he co-founded alongside a world-renowned benevolent corporation, helping entrepreneurs create equity for themselves with training and crowdfunding and zero-interest microloans. Through COVID, this has expanded into 10 countries, four languages, and continues to open economic alternatives from high-risk options. Here at home, Colin serves as an entrepreneur in residence at Grant McEwen, or I guess it's McEwen University now. 
and in various roles with the innovation ecosystem. He is a published author and developer of an app for entrepreneurs and continues to be involved in growing Indigenous entrepreneurship through curriculum design and advocacy for all underestimated founders. Colin serves as the chair of the Board of Action for Healthy Communities and as the GM of a hockey team where he plays with his sons. Of all his passions, the greatest is being married to his best friend, also a business owner, and having three young adults who still think he's pretty all right. Well, Colin, you are pretty all right. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me, Kelly. Oh, it's great to be here. Man, it is. I can't even tell you. I, I am so thrilled to have you here today. I, I think you can bring so much value and just your experience alone. I'm going to let you speak to it, but... Man, it's it's unbelievable. Colin, can you tell my listeners a little bit about about yourself? Um, sure. I mean, you did a great job covering it all and it's, you know, it's funny when you have to write your own thing and then have somebody else read it. It's it's a little yeah, I listen to it and go, "Yeah, that's Absolutely. cool, man. I want to meet that guy." Um, but yeah, I mean, I it started for me a, a long time ago. I mean, I, you know, great family, grew up in Ontario. Uh, but I spent, uh, well, so at about 10, I think I started my first businesses and that was, you know, working, uh, mowing a graveyard lawn and then into all the acreages around my neighborhood and stuff like that, you know, just to drive my lawnmower tractor around the neighborhood and making a few bucks here and there. Then I got into, um, uh, painting jackets in high school, you know, I was a metal head and still am and, uh, loved doing that. And so I painted a bunch of jackets and a bunch of artwork and then people would hire me to do different things there. And then slowly evolved into some more illicit businesses, we'll say, and then eventually into, uh, a lot more mainstream stuff and just having a passion for, uh, art and business and people. I mean, I've kind of wanted to be an entrepreneur pretty much all my life. Uh, probably more just that state of rebellion that I like, you know, is being contrary yeah. to the to the rest of the world. So that was where I think a lot of that started. And over the years, that uh, even the graphic design business, the painting jackets turned into digital media, turned into like well, a graphic design company and then digital media into creating, helping grow some games uh, back in the '90s, and then we turned that into a recruiting opportunity and then a recruiting company and then uh, more digital media building an app and helping entrepreneurs and you know coaching entrepreneurs and just kind of evolving over the last 40 years into what it is today and it's you know every time I would update my business model if you will to serve the purpose that we needed it to at the time right whether it was just you know providing a, a little bit of food on the table or just really understanding what we needed to do to help entrepreneurs and help different organizations that we're working with yeah absolutely and and like <clears throat> obviously i would say like where to start like if you if you guys look at Colin Christensen's linkedin you're going to see that you've been a part of like 20 different founding businesses pretty well like it's it's unbelievable you know, I mean, I see serial entrepreneurs and, you know, serial, like most serial entrepreneurs that I've run into, you know, they got five, six businesses. I've never seen one like you. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, consider that those, you know, come and go, sometimes good, sometimes very bad, you know, and everything in between. Right. And so um, it, I'm a I'm a consummate entrepreneur. I mean, I look for opportunities. I find things that are really cool and, you know, and 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 go off on uh, following that rabbit hole for a little while. There's a couple of really interesting things about it. One is I pay a lot of attention to my wife. And so uh, my wife has what I would 
consider a, a very a very attuned security yeah. gland, right? And so that little gland that says, eh, this is probably mm-hmm. not a great idea. And and other ones that go, this is fantastic. We should really run with this. And so uh, she's been an amazing uh, part of my life and part of my guidance. Um, she's the administration. She's the bookkeeper. She's a, a professional bookkeeper for uh, a number of different uh companies, small, uh, small businesses that just need a little bit of work here and there. And I'm her worst client because I have, you know, I think five different businesses on the go and don't ever do my stuff the way I should. And, you know, she'd much rather work with everybody else other than me. But so those businesses, even though they're interesting and come and go and do all those kind of things, it's just really following the special purpose vehicles that need to be served at the time that customer needs that need to be served. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I totally feel for you because um, like I totally get that aspect. Like I, with me, you know, my sister has always kind of had my back with regards to kind of motivating me. And and um, I wouldn't be where I'm sitting today without my sister. So I'm just going to say a big shout out to my sister, Tina Kennedy. She's the owner of Bloom Bookkeeping and uh, 100% pushed me, pushed me to go to college, pushed me to kind of take action in my life. Because frankly, like you said, I was probably a young guy getting into trouble and instead of uh applying myself to my life as I should have been and I uh, got the kick in my butt that I needed from her. And uh, to this day, I will always be eternally grateful. So, um, you know, I mean, with me too, my fiance, she was always motivating, always got my back, always letting me know that things are going great. And I think with her, though, with, with my fiance, when I started Capital, there was a lot of like, what are you doing? Are you sure that this is a good idea? Because, you know, you have a good job, like it pays well. And I'm like, yeah, but like, you know, I mean, like, well, at the time it was COVID Colin. So like who knew what was coming around the corner? I'd been there for a, almost a decade at that point is like not little over nine years. And like, I'd already had the idea for capital in my mind, but it was just taking that step. I needed that kind of kick in the butt. And, uh, my boss kind of came along one day and said, Kelly, you know what? I don't know what next year looks like with COVID. It's looking pretty crazy. Like, I don't know if we're going to be needed or not. You should probably have a backup plan. And I was like, okay, got a backup plan. And, uh, next thing you know, I ended up, I ended up taking a layoff, which, luckily also came with um with some money and uh took that money dumped it into capital founded capital and you know the rest is history here we are but um yeah it's like you almost need somebody to kind of give you that little kick in the butt you know whether it's your wife whether it's life (laughs) but i feel like most entrepreneurs it's like taking that initial leap it can be incredibly scary and you don't you need a catalyst of some type i agree i mean it's it's i mean for me it's this well, I mean, I think at first it was probably a drive for, you know, I want the Lamborghini, I want the the big life, I want the, you know, my own boss kind of my mentality. And anybody who's been an entrepreneur for a while knows that probably none of those three are real. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say that completely. Um, you know, certainly you can make great money and you can get set up properly and all that kind of stuff. And I love, I mean, I have a life uh, a dream life as far as I'm concerned. I, you know, do what I want to do and run around and spend most of my time just working with entrepreneurs, which is awesome. Like mm-hmm. I couldn't trade it in for anything better, but it's not, it, it's about, I think a part of it is this burning desire to see something different in the world, right? There's a, a different outcome. I, I believe that everybody should have some kind of a side hustle, you know, uh, and, and, the problem is, well, there's a, a an author called John Acuff, and he wrote a book called Quitter, and I really enjoy the book. Um, he talks about this idea that, you know, building entrepreneurship is a lot like building a boat. Unfortunately, most entrepreneurs will jump in the water and start building a boat in the water and then wonder why it doesn't float, right, mm. and doesn't support them. 
whereas he suggests that we should stay on dry ground, a, a job, a comfortable work-life balance, if you want to call it that, and off the side of our desk have a dock that goes out to a boat. You spend your time planning and thinking and reasoning and, and investing time and energy into that boat to make it work. Is it going to float one person? Is it going to float your whole family? Is it going to float, you know, the whole country? You know, th those are all questions to be considered on what that boat's going to look like. But you plan and you uh, execute on that boat, but you don't jump in the boat until it can sustain you, yeah. right? And that's where I've made a lot of mistakes over the years. But then once you start understanding that if you can create something off the side of your desk that one day may support you, kudos to you. Yeah, yeah. Like I've always looked at business and you know, what I mean, like, obviously, my experience in starting business is completely different than yours. I have a service based business where we we support existing businesses. But the way that I looked at it when I started Capital Column was if, uh, if I can't make enough money at this right off the bat, like if it's not profitable right, right off the bat, it doesn't make sense for me. And so I just made sure that everything that I put in together before I kind of launched off into doing capital was that it was going to be enough to sustain me. And um, thank God that that was a model that worked. And I had some I had some mentors that kind of gave me some advice and tips because, you know, I mean, it's one thing to be a really, really great business development person, which is what I was, but it's a completely different thing to like now, now I got to be that, but then start and establish a company and then market that company. And then obviously one of the things that I found incredibly hard, and I, I kind of pitched this, is that it's very hard to market your own business, right? Like I feel like you're almost too close to it and so what I've kind of learned is that it's almost better as an entrepreneur to have somebody else market your business for you because it's like it's it, it hurts less. <laughs> the rejection hurts less, you know? Yeah, well, it's true. And this is, uh, you know, there's the, a thing we talk about a lot in the ecosystem when we're talking about entrepreneurship is that uh, ugly baby syndrome. Right. It's, you know, nobody wants to admit that their baby's ugly. Right. And so we overprotect it. Right. We try to say how great it is and all that kind of stuff. Whereas I think this this concept, two of the most important attributes to me for entrepreneurship are humility and curiosity. Right. When we ask a lot of questions and we really seek to understand rather than, you know, assume that we've got all the answers, which unfortunately I see too far, far too often in entrepreneurs. But, you know, when we actually go so what do you think we need? What are you, what are you looking for? What would make your life better? How do we solve your problem? Right. And, but really get into the nuance of it and don't just stop at a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Confirmation bias. I heard exactly what you want. I wanted to hear. So now mm -hmm. I'm going to run off and build something that nobody wants. We have to spend the time and energy to really understand where the problem or where this, uh, the issues are coming from. Once we do, then we go, Oh, okay. Now we can help. So marketing your own stuff, always difficult. But, yeah. you know, being able to uh, have something and understand the reasons behind it, I think is a great start. Yeah, yeah. And I think the other side of it is you almost have to have that. You have to know that you know what you know, and you don't know what you don't know. And you kind of have to, like you said, you have to be curious and open to realizing that like, the way that you know it isn't the only way there's other ways to kind of skin the cat if that makes sense and it's like it's easy to get locked into kind of one way and one way that works but it's like one of the things that i think has helped me with capital is that i've really just i've met enough people i've learned enough where i realized that there's multiple ways to do things and you shouldn't be completely closed off to other other options or other alternatives or changing technologies or who knows what because the reality is is that if you aren't changing a little bit over time, you are going to get left behind. So you, you need to have an open mind, you need to be open to new ways to do things. Well, further to that, I mean, being myopic is a problem anyway, 
right? Like if, if our only view is what we know, then we are selling ourselves short on what is possible. Mm. Right. Like let's, let's look around the world. I mean, it's a, it's a vast place with a lot of different ideas and, and it cruises along and does great things. And we continue to, you know, thrive off this planet, you know, for whatever, you know, people want to argue on, on, on environment and whatnot. Yeah. Not taking a position on that. But I remember years ago, um, I'm a, a Christian guy and I, I have a lot of, uh, a lot of involvement in the in a church and I was leading a bunch of, you know, marrieds. My wife and I were leading a marrieds organization uh, group. And we had, I remember when we first kind of got set up and we were first getting going, you know, I'd walk in a young guy, this is 30 years ago, you know, kind of thing. And or 20, 20 some odd years ago. And I'd come in and I'm like, okay, this is what we're going to do. Let's go. And, you know, and I wonder why nobody is doing anything and why they're not engaging. And, and I remember that, the time I walked into the to the room with them and, and I sat down with all the guys and I just said, you know what, what do you guys think? Right. And I, what do you guys think we should do? And, and how do you think it should go? And I just asked their opinion and left it completely open. What I found was everybody came up with better ideas or the same ideas as me. Mm-hmm. But then when we all kind of talked it out and worked it through, everybody in the room kind of agreed on one thing and then started driving with it. I didn't have to do a thing. Right. They were all intrinsically motivated, all excited and all owned it because I didn't tell them what to do. They got excited about it. And I think it's the same with customers. You know, we spend so much time telling them what we think they need. Everybody buys into the two quotes that we've overheard and probably misquoted, which is, you know, uh, Henry Ford. If I asked them what they wanted, they'd ask for a faster horse. Mm-hmm. total BS. And then the other one being, you know, we'll look at Steve Jobs. He didn't tell anybody what he just didn't come in, came up with the iPhone. No, it didn't work that way, you know? And so neither of those are true. And, and so we set our sights on that's the way it needs to be. I'm going to go tell the market what it needs. And that's the absolute opposite of what is actually needed. So I want to kind of touch back on that too, because it, it sounds obviously what you're kind of talking about here, it sounds this way is that you're saying that we should be always asking our client, what is it that you want from this service? At the end of the day, instead of just coming down and saying like, these are our services, I feel like we can still do that. But how do we incorporate these are our services, but also what is it that you need? Or, like, how do we incorporate that into our day to day business? Yeah, well, I mean, I think there's the, to your point, you've got a service business, I have a service business, I also have a product business and things like that, right. And so, but it's, it's still, you know, Peter Drucker, kind of the grandfather of business said, you know, a, a, a business doesn't exist if it doesn't have a customer, mm-hmm. right? And otherwise, it's a hobby is the way I look at it, right? And so you can have any hobby you want and spend all your time and money doing it if that's what you want to do. But if you want a, a real business that's going to create returns and create some revenue, then you have to have a customer, somebody who's willing to pay for what you've got. And mm-hmm. the only way to do that is you may come up with this ingenious new thing that nobody's ever heard of and, and ultimately is a great way of doing things. More than likely, though, it's going to be uh, uh, solving a problem that somebody's having dealing with a certain thing that they need to shift to something else like a marketing company or, you know, whatever it might be. They're going to shift to something better. Right. And so this concept of jobs to be done, uh, which was put out by Peter, uh, well, uh, Clayton Christensen and uh, um Bob Moesta are my two kind of favorite guys on that subject. But what's the job to be done? You know, I bought this shirt to do a reason. I bought that really cool 
Chiefs jersey because I love the Chiefs from, you know, mm-hmm. Slap Shot in the 70s. You know, I'm a hockey player. I bought that album, Gojira, because I'm a metal fan and it's a great. <laughs> but I hire these things to do a job for me. If they don't yeah, do the yeah. job, I'm going to fire them and move on. Right. Sure. And so understanding what that job is and what we think the job is, is one thing. But let's go form it and shape it and nuance it with the voice of your customers, because mm-hmm. what you think is the problem is a great identification of the problem, but it's not clarity of the problem. And so where does it come from? Why does it happen? And mm-hmm. your opinion may be useful, but it's not the only one. Too often, the entrepreneurs are building something for themselves and they're not building something that actually other people are having that same problem and they're mm-hmm. building it for them too. Yeah, no, no, that that actually makes a lot of sense, Colin. Um, I want to take it back a little bit because I think that that was such a profound thing to say. It, to me, I'll be honest, at first, before you said customer, I thought you were going to talk about your employees. Does this also translate to your employees? A hundred percent, actually. I, I Somebody said I coined this phrase. I don't think I did, but employee marketing, right? Because your customer, well, just like your employee and your investor and your vendors, yeah. right? All of these people have an option whether they want to work with you or not. Absolutely. And so are you proposing your relationship based on something that's going to be beneficial to them? Or is it just something that you want, right? We too often, I mean, you know, especially now with the onset of some of the millennial ideas and things like that. And and, and I get on folks all the time saying, oh, those millennials, they're so, you know, whatever. And I'm like, you wouldn't take that job. Shut up, right? Yeah. Like, it's not the millennial that's a problem. It's your stupid job that you're offering them with no consideration for them as human beings. So Mm -hmm. don't think it's a millennial problem. It's a human problem and you're experiencing it just the same. So yes, every employee, I I would encourage most people to look at their employees as volunteers, right? Yeah, you're paying them and, but they're not, a a paycheck is not a retention strategy, Mm -hmm. right? Like (laughs) just because you pay them doesn't mean they're going to stay working with you. um, What's the guy? Gravity, gravity payments out of Seattle, um, right? He's got a, a very vocal guy on Twitter. What's his name? Dan something or other. Anyways, I love him, right? And he challenges. He, so he's the guy that famously took his million-dollar salary, cut it to you know a reasonable salary, about a hundred and something, hundred and fifty, hundred and eighty, two hundred thousand, whatever it is. It's still pre- pretty reasonable for a CEO. Yeah. And he made sure that every employee in his company made at least seventy thousand dollars a living wage, and. To date, that was an experiment that he started in 2018 or something. Every job that he has has 300 plus, uh, you know, uh, uh, what do you call applicants? Mm -hmm. He's never, he's got a brilliant retention strategy. Everybody stays with him. But because he treats everybody like humans, he looks after people, he makes sure that they're happy. But what's even more surprising, a, a good testament to that is his employees bought him a Tesla. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. So, you know, how many bosses buy their employees a gold watch or something, yeah. you know, encouraging for them? But how often do employees buy their boss something as a show of gratitude? Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. That's amazing. So, so yes, 100%. Just to answer your question, for sure, yeah. you know, you have to look at holding and retaining and, and building something that people want, both from vision, mission, values, goals, the idea of exciting and, and creating an intrinsic pull for your employees, but you got to do the same for your customers as well. Absolutely. 
Yeah, no, I, I, the reason I wanted to kind of touch on the employee side is, um, I don't know, we, I guess we kind of talked about this, but I've, I've recently started expanding capital. So I'm, I'm starting to hire people. I recently hired Cole. He's been with me just about a month now and it's been awesome. And, you know, I mean, I, I look at it as I definitely want to make my business a great place to work. You know, I mean, that was always a goal from point go is that I recognize that as a, as a long-term person who worked in a business, the thing, the reason that I stayed there was that I really enjoyed working there. I enjoyed my boss. My boss gave me a lot of freedom. He gave me a lot of trust. He gave me a lot of respect, allowed me to kind of do it my way. And I, I definitely want to try to do that with my employees. You know, I mean, you've been doing this a long time. You've, I'm sure over your time, you've had hundreds, if not thousands of employees calling. What kind of tips can you give me as a, as a essentially not a new business, but a new business when it comes down to I'm hiring, I'm growing, I'm expanding. What do we do? How do we retain these employees? How do we show, how do we, you know, I mean, obviously I, I try to treat them as best as I can, but like, what would be some tips that you could provide me to just help me be more effective at that to, to truly create a place where employees feel valued and, and trusted? I think it's, it's a great question and it's a great ambition. Um, there's a few things that I usually suggest. I mean, I have a free ebook on that and it's in my regular book too, but um, the big thing is like treat them as humans, right? That's the first thing that I would say is, what do you want? What are you looking for? What do you like? You know, what is important to you? Well, treat others the same way. It's just empathy, mm-hmm. right? And so, but the first, what I would say is as the business owner first, I say, you really want to know what your ROI is. You're the first investor in your business. What is your time worth? What are you trying to get out of it? You know, do you want a job or do you want extra money? Do you want, you know, a future? Do you want a certain lifestyle? Whatever it is. I mean, make sure that your business is going to give you that. Look at it objectively. Step outside of your day-to-day. You know, you talked about even, you know, hearing marketing and and owning that and stuff like that. Can you pull out of it and look at it from an objective perspective to say, I like this about my business. This is where I want it to go. It's a vehicle. I am a driver and I'm going to own this vehicle and try to drive it to where it wants to go. And if it's not going to get across the terrain that I want, I need to get rid of that vehicle and start a new vehicle, right? And I'm guilty (laughs) of that a hundred times over. So- Right. No, go ahead. I, I cut you uh, yeah. And so I was going to say, so the first thing is you need to know what you want out of it. And then therefore you should create, you know, in the grand perspective of things, a, a vision. What do you want to be when you grow up? A mission. Yeah. Who do you serve and how do you serve them? Set of values. How do you behave? What do you believe in? What won't you stand for? That's mm-hmm. a very important one when it comes to employees. And then finally goals. What's important right now? Where do you want to go? Like these are Patrick Lencioni type ideas. They're blended with a number of other things. But if you can figure out vision, mission, values, goals as a kind of a, a, a backbone to the organization, then you can hire and, and recruit based on that. Right. Mm -hmm. You have to be clear on them and you have to have them simple and they have to be portable and they have to be just like marketing. You can't sit there and give a 20 sentence pitch and expect anybody to even care about what you're doing. Same with an employee. If you don't explain things in a succinct and and meaningful fashion for them and like a magnet, it should attract the right people and repel the wrong people. So that's kind of where I'd start. I've got a lot more that I can go into, but I'll turn it back to you for (laughs) at least some words before I get ranting and raving for a while. No, no, it's great. It's great information, Colin. This is very valuable to a lot of people because I know I'm not the only one with these questions. I know I'm not the only one who's just just kind of getting started in that growth phase of business where, you know, I mean, like you said, the sky's the limit. But the reality is, is that 
I feel like what I want from capital will also change over time, right? Like I feel like right now I'm not ready to, I'm not ready to quit doing the job. I love business development. I say this all the time. This is on my podcast. I, I live for this. I truly have a passion for the work I do. And, and it's, it's truly what God put me on this earth to do. There's no question. And I'm not ready to stop doing it. But I do at some point obviously want to do it a little bit less, and maybe have a little more time to manage my teams to focus on the growth of capital to kind of Oh, yeah, what I what I really want from it long term, to be honest with you, I don't I don't have an answer to that yet. I just don't know yet. I know, right? I feel like maybe it's because I'm too close to it, or because I'm directly doing the work at the moment. But I think like what I want I know for a fact that I want to have a small team that I work with right now that we do it locally and start to expand across Canada. But ultimately, right now, I don't know. I don't know where the stop button is for me. I don't know what, what would be enough. And I think, you know, that's that's something that honestly, my fiance asked me, she sat down and she said, well, what what's enough? Like, what's the point at which you would be content? And I'm like, I don't I don't know if I can answer that. I don't know if I have the answer. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, I mean, I'll give you a couple of thoughts on that. And, and there's no right or wrong answer because we're in fluid motion as we are as humans, right? I mean, both the environment and the social environment and the fabric that we live in and the day-to-day changes and, and stuff, it's too, it's too nebulous to try to nail down exactly and everything's going to go according to plan because we know it doesn't work that way as we'll talk about later. But the idea of, I think... That anybody, a 10-year-old or 18-year-old especially, can probably go, you know what, this is what I'd like my life to look like. Mm -hmm. And so it's not about your business. The business is the second part of it. But the first thing is where the driver needs to end up. So you're... You've got a fiance, you know, maybe you'll have kids or want kids one day. And maybe you want to live, what kind of a lifestyle do you want to live? Do you want to live one in a nice house or do you care just to live downtown in an apartment? Mm-hmm. Those are all great options. Do you want to have one car? Do you want to have six? Do you want to travel? Do you want to not travel? Do you, you know, these are questions that you consider when you try to put together your life story. We, we, we all have it, whether we actually take the time to sit down and write it out and, and try to, you know, describe it in some fashion. Do we want a cat? Do we want six cats? Do yeah. we want, you know, we're not hate cats. Let's get a dog, you know, no yeah. pets. They're stupid. Whatever it is, you know, uh, you know, I want to live on a farm. I want to live in the city. There's a thousand ways to look at that world. But once we start limiting it down to kind of a perspective that we want to have, then it actually starts to dictate what kind of a vehicle we need to get there. Yeah. Right. And now you can start taking that vehicle and start to go, okay, well, do we need a four by four? Do we need a four mil one car? Because mm-hmm. they're, they're different options, right? And they come with different sets of restraints. And so, you know, right now you're building something partly. I mean, a lot of people start business out of their own talent set, right? Like I started a business in lawn mowing. I guess that wasn't much of a talent set. Anybody could do that. Well, well you, you knew know, how to do I, it. I see my son do the lawn <laughs> and he yeah. sucks at it. Actually, my one of my sons is colorblind oh, and, okay. and red green. And so what would be funny is he'd do the lawn, but he couldn't tell that he left strips. Yeah, because it all looks the same roughly to him, and it was hilarious. I'm like, I can't get my son to mow the lawn. Anyways, so, but my my point is, uh, like, I started, you know, I love art. I used to draw. I was fascinated with graphic design, so it made sense that I would become a graphic designer, similar to you doing business development. But the idea is now, okay, so is this what we want to do? Are you doing it just out of convenience, or 
you could do that all day long and buy yourself a job as a lot of people do, or you yeah. could turn it into something. You could turn it into 20 employees with a, a fancy front desk and a, you know, a mahogany office with, you know, it smells of rich leather and mahogany and, you know, and we can, you know, do all that kind of stuff, but that's yeah. up to you. What do you want it to look like? Sure. And, and that's part of the questions to be asking. Yeah, for sure. Do you think that this is a question that you would ask at the beginning? Like the reason that I'm saying this is because I feel like, you don't necessarily know what you got until you got it. Do you know what I mean? Um, like, I had no idea if capital business development was, was going to be successful. And the next thing you know, it was incredibly successful, which was awesome. But then it's like, okay, well, now I have this great thing. And it's going really well. And my clients are happy and we can expand. But like, I don't know. I just haven't decided yet how far I want to go with it. And that's fine. I mean, I think that's the brilliant piece about it. The fact that you've had some uh, early success and that things are going well awesome man hallelujah let's celebrate yeah. that like enjoy it now yeah. but do consider i think one of the problems that i have or where this shows up as a problem is when people start to um their income or their congruency gets challenged right congruency is a massive value for me right who i am is what you see right mm -hmm. i don't i'm not a very mysterious guy Right. And some people are, and that's up to them. They can be that kind of way. But what you see is what you get with me. And and so I talk off the tough cuff and I'm, you know, I'm happily a metal head and, you know, a religious guy and, you know, all this kind of weird stuff. And those are dichotomous, you know, in themselves, right? Like you do you listen to what <laughs> and you're a Christian, like, are you allowed to? And I'm like, yeah, man, enough, yeah. you know, I'm singing along and mm, I'll throw the F bombs, mm, you know, and because I don't sing that <laughs> yeah, part, right? Yeah, yeah. It, 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 it's kind of funny, but but my point is, when we start becoming not true to ourselves, we are splitting ourselves. You know, let's mm. go to, you know, uh, what's his name? Uh, Harry Potter. You know, he, he started splitting yeah. himself across all these things. And it wrecked him. And I think that as an entrepreneur, if we are not staying true to ourselves, so although you have had success, although you are moving forward, although you're kind of going in a direction and you don't know where you want to go, I outside of your business, I think you do know where you want to go. Yes. Sure. Right. But now it's a matter of, you know, once this starts to diverge, now you're now you have a problem. Yeah. But until then, enjoy it. Like love <laughs> yeah. every minute of it. Right? Yeah. Like right now, it feels like it feels like it lines up. Right. Like my this this system that I'm kind of working with right now lines up with my life, aside from the fact that I'm like crazy. So we didn't I don't know if we really got into this, but I have three stepsons, too. So right. it, oh, it, it is great. it, it, great. it yeah. is a wild household that we have yeah. here at the Kennedy household. <laughs> And, I remember um, you telling me that now. Yeah. And um, yeah, so and three large dogs, which I love to death and hate at the same time. <laughs> I had 15 huskies, so I know what you oh, mean. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. It's it's crazy. This this household most of the time is is absolutely nuts. They're being amazing right now. They're being so quiet. I love them. <laughs> I love them all. The dogs, the kids, everything. Yeah. But um, in this yeah, world. it <laughs> it's right now, it's really good, Colin. Like my life is great. I would say my biggest challenge right now is that um, I've never been busier in my entire life. Um, I had no idea when I started the podcast how challenging it would be <laughs> in my mind. It was, I'll tell you, I, I will tell the story of the podcast one day. I think one day I'll just come on here and, and give a story of the podcast so people know where it came from. But just like a rundown, I was literally looking for a new microphone. And then the podcast just kind of came along when I started doing that research to figure out what it took to get a new microphone because I knew I was going to be doing a lot of meetings this year. And then 
I listened to a lot of podcasts and then it's kind of like one thing led to another. And the next thing you know, I was like, hey, you know what? I think I might, I might just try and do a podcast. Why not? Um, but it's definitely not my background. But anyways, it, w- it, was, it was a whim. I literally started this podcast on a whim, right? <laughs> Thinking it would just be, oh, no problem. And it has become its own monster, which is awesome because it's been well, well received. People like it. We got great reviews, we got lots of people reaching out week after week saying we're helping them. And that's, that's great. It really drives me to keep coming back to do this over and over and over again. But my God, like, you know, understand I have a full time life outside of this podcast. And so, man, between the both, like, it's been, it's been like 15 hour days feels like every every Monday to Friday since I started this podcast back in February. <laughs> you know what's really interesting? Like my bet is like okay from from as I'm listening to I'm kind of, you know, discovering or rediscovering some of my own passions and drive on things. When I sat down, I think it was 2005 or somewhere in there. I remember flying to LA for a, a, an event and on the way down, I just started start thinking about what I want to do with my life. I think it was yeah. yeah, 2006. I was coming up on 40 years old or whatever. And I'm starting to think about, you know, what do I want to do with my life? What do I, you know, what do I want to be when I grow up? Yeah. And, and, uh, and I started breaking down some of the things I started actually, for me, I started right at the end. I said, okay, when I die, I'm going to be lying on my deathbed. Hopefully I'll get that opportunity. What do I, what's going to be going through my head? And there is the question of, you know, for me as a Christian guy, am I going to heaven? Are my kids going to heaven? Are the people around me going? But then I started thinking, well, what about the dead time living in the universe? Am I doing the right thing? Is it going to be a good thing? You know, and then I'm like, well, where do that, where does that come from? What do I like? What is interesting to me? And so this is where I'm kind of going with you is there's a central passion that you're working with, whether it's mm-hmm. business development or the podcast or whatever, there's a theme to this and it's helping others. Yes. Probably, I think actually, you know, secret inside voice, it's probably always helping others. I think a lot of people, that's what drives us is it's, is this ability, you know, if you look at Maslow's hierarchy, you know, food, shelter, survival, things like that. But you get up there and and it becomes this thing of purpose fairly quickly. And when we're striving for that purpose and understanding where that's going to lead, now we start having a few opportunities. What is it going to be? Is it going to be podcasting? Is it going to be business development? Is it going to be helping and mentor and entrepreneurship? Is it going to be, you know, creating microloans? I don't know. Yeah, It could be all of those. It could be none of them. But here's the part. and, And this is the scary part. I think most entrepreneurs die of indigestion before they ever die of starvation. Can you explain that? The idea is too often we entrepreneurs take on too much on their plate and they're mm. stuffing more things on because they have this central theme of say, helping them others and they're doing podcasting and business development and, you know, coaching and have 17 things on the plate or they see an avenue to help somebody and they create a pro uh, a service and then they have a, an app that goes along with it. And then they start bolting on this other thing. And all of a sudden it's this behemoth thing that kills them because they're having indigestion or they've eaten too much mm-hmm. rather than slowing down, settling on one thing, because it's not, it's, it's, well, I don't want to say it's impossible, but it, the, it, well, here's a, here's a, a metaphor for you. If we go outside, you know, nowadays I, I can get it. I'm not, I'm a pretty white guy, right? I can get Maybe a sun. 
I can get a sunburn pretty fast. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I know, I know what's going on under the hat, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, the back of my head gets a little more red than it used to. Yeah. Uh, right. But the sun, which is the strongest power source that we know of, if I go out for a few hours, the most I get is a sunburn. Mm-hmm. But if I take a five kilowatt bulb and focus it, I can cut through steel. And so this idea of one thing executed excellently will cut through steel versus this big thing that focuses on everything. Yeah. Right. And so that that's where I think entrepreneurs run into problems is when they are trying to do everything for everybody yeah. when they should probably just do one thing. And I'm not saying now, once you start to figure out that theme for you, whatever it might be. And I say this to your listeners too. Sure. Now you can focus a couple of elements around that and make it stronger. And that's fine. But when we're, if we're not sure what that outcome is going to be and what our story arc wants to be and what we're trying to accomplish in life and the debt we want to use, leave in the universe, then I think we're missing on our day-to-day execution of that because we're just shooting for anything that feels good and sounds good and whatever comes along. Right. Yeah. I, I agree completely with you with regards to stick to stick to something that you're really good at because I totally get what you're saying. If you start to bite off more and more and more and you start to get outside of that, of that niche you cut out for yourself. Yeah. 100%. You can, you can crash and burn real quick. I, you know, I, I watched, I watched, you know, previous companies that I've been with start to kind of get outside of their comfort zone with regards to services they offered. And I would say that almost every single one of them ended in failure because it's just too far outside of what they were used to doing or what they knew how to do well. And then, you know, inevitably, they ended up having to keep coming back to that thing that they started with to try to essentially recover from that damage done by trying to bite off more than they could chew. And I know with capital, that was something that I'd watched happen enough times that when I founded capital, I just knew like the business development service, that's it. That's all we're going to stick to. No, we don't do the account management. We don't do the sales follow ups. We don't do all that because if I stick to what we are good at, we are going to be amazing at that one thing. And that one thing is going to do what it needs to do. Yep. And uh, yeah, having the discipline to be able to say that is fundamental, right? Like, and it's, and it's probably one of the things that is, has made you successful because you need to, it's not a matter, uh, so often it's a matter of subtraction more than it's a matter of addition, yeah. right? And, and getting down to the core and the, the real thing that you can be the best in the world at, you know, Patrick Lencioni talks about that with the hedgehog principle and, and good to great. No, it's not Patrick Lencioni, Jim Collins in good to great, you know, he talks about the hedgehog principle, right? Uh, I like it, the roadrunner principle, right? Roadrunner yeah. was always good at one thing. BB, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Coyote came up with a million different harebrained schemes and none of them ever worked, right? And yeah. so that, that, that ability to focus on one thing and execute excellently is, is really key. That, and I think surrounding yourself with, with really good people. Um, I've been incredibly oh, yeah. fortunate in my life that in my, in my career in sales and business development, I've worked with incredible, incredible mentors who, you know, whether they were bosses of mine, whether they were just people that came into my life who, who were in the business that would actually sit down with me and we'd go back and forth, kind of like me and you were going back and forth now and just, hey, yeah, this worked for me. This didn't work for me. I learned so much of what wasn't going to work for me from other people that, frankly, it saved me. It probably saved me years, Colin, <laughs> and, and a lot of money and a lot of my own mistakes where... I essentially got to watch somebody else make those mistakes and learn from them before I got to do that. So yes, surrounding yourself by people who are great, who are, who, who, who understand what you're trying to do, maybe have even tried it themselves and can, and can give you feedback and information is truly it's, it's invaluable. It's priceless. Yes. 
Well, I think that's right. I mean, it comes back to that idea of, to me, humility and, um, what did I say? Uh, humility and curiosity. But add one more to that would be empathy, which I think kind of goes, it kind of is the, the thread that wraps around them both, right? Humility is in, I don't have all the answers and uh, uh, curiosity as to why do you think that way, right? Mm -hmm. Whether it's coming from race or gender or diversity of any kind, being able to have that understanding and look to other people and learn from their mistakes. You know, I think arrogance calls us to go and do our own thing, thinking we're going to be different, right? Yeah. You know, uh, what is it? 80% of the drivers think they're above average. Right. Clearly, that, that's <laughs> yeah, a stat that we're all the best drivers. <laughs> yeah. Clearly, that's a stat that doesn't work. Right. No, no, I totally get that. And I think, like you said, you kind of mentioned it earlier in the show that us as entrepreneurs, too, we always think, you know, like you said, a lot of us, we think we got it all figured out. We think we got it right. Uh, you know, I, I know for a fact I don't have it all figured out. I, I, I hope I know enough that I don't burn. Right. But, you know, I mean, I'm learning every single day. I learn from all of these interviews. I learn from all the lunches and all the get togethers, you know, every single time that I have an interaction with somebody, I find that I'm learning something new that I didn't know before. And um, you need to keep that open mind. You really do. Because the reality is, you know, if you think you know everything, even if you even if you did, even if by some miracle, you knew everything, you only knew everything up to that day. And after that, you still need that new information. You still need to talk to other people to figure out what's next, right? Yeah. Well, no, so true. Well, I want to kind of take us forward, Colin. We really we got on a great tangent there, though. I really enjoyed that conversation. But I want to take it a little bit more back to you. I want to, you know, it's not every day that I have I have you on the line. So I have a lot of questions that I kind of want to talk about. Sure. And one of the things that I want to talk about is can you let us know what you're excited about? I know you got a, you got a million things going on. But like, can you tell us a little bit about something you're doing right now that really excites you? Sure. Okay, if I if I look at the world, uh, you know, haters going to hate, but innovators are going to innovate, mm -hmm. right? Entrepreneurship's been a part of our DNA from the very beginning, right? However many years you want to go back, 10,000 plus years or whatever, whether you're, you know, we have a, a need for survival, you know, for uh, for procreation and food and drink and survival and all that kind of stuff, but also for community. And the beautiful thing about community is we help each other, right? And we have different talents. You are better with a mic than I am and you're, you know, uh, better looking than me or whatever, you know, as things turn out, we need to rely on one another for different elements. So I think innovation is powerful, whether it's Galileo or, you know, Newton or, you know, um, Michelangelo or, you know, the guy that created Red Cross or, you know, Steve Jobs or whatever, we're all innovating, right? And we're, and everybody's got some really unique views of the world and what needs to be fixed, right? What breaks our heart? What makes us meet? Uh, one of the girls I'm working with right now, um, uh, she works with um, uh, immigrants from Nigeria and she helps them because they're always sending money back to the country. To help their aging parents, so she makes sure that with GPS tracking and really good financial services to make sure that their parents can get support and help and looked after. So that you know, by sending money back in a way, and they can track where the person is and that they actually got the care and all these kind of things that are important. I would have never thought of that. Yeah, I have parents here in town. I don't care. My, so, to answer your question, I guess in a long story short, is 
innovators are going to do innovation, cool things, and we need to get out of their way, but it's not an intuitive thing. Like you said, I mean, it's one thing to bake a cookie. It's a different thing to start a bakery. Yes. Right. So this idea of being able to uh, help entrepreneurs wherever they are, provide for their family, create space for something interesting and, and a, a new opportunity that keeps them out of risky businesses or, you know, grow something of consequence into the next Uber or the next Facebook or whatever it is. Those are the things that really, really excite me. And so mm -hmm. if we could democratize the idea of entrepreneurship and get a couple of those fundamentals right, I think we're just going to see even more acceleration to the change in the world in a good way. So how do, how do we do that? Because, you know, I'm, I'm going to speak to this, Colin. I have a lot of entrepreneurs listening to this show who they've got one foot in the water. Maybe, they, maybe they've incorporated. Maybe they're thinking about it. They haven't quite taken that leap yet. How do we motivate them? How do we, like I said, for me, it, it was a catalyst. My catalyst was, it was me mostly. But, you know, I mean, I had a bit of a kick in the butt when it was like, okay, well, my career, I'm not sure what the next couple of years look like maybe it is time for me to go out on my own and take this change. And, and I, and I, I'm so thankful that I, I took that leap, but I'll tell you what, I was scared shitless. <laughs> I was pretty scared, Colin, when I took that jump. Cause obviously you're jumping into the unknown. You're jumping into something that may or may not work. And you know, like the, you know, I, I had a family, I had lots of stuff going on. And I, uh, I think a lot of my, a lot of my listeners are these people. They're, they're people that are right on that fence. They have a great idea. They can do it. They're just, they're afraid. What, how do we motivate them? Well, I mean, that's a that's a big question. And I don't think it's an completely unanswerable, but I, I or I'll take a stab at a couple of ideas around it. One, I don't think we can ever motivate anybody. Right. This idea of carrot and stick. I mean, you know, Daniel Pink talked about the three levels of motivation, right? The the lizard brain that kind of functions for survival and 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 food and drink and things. Level two is carrot and stick, right? If I hold a gun to your head, I can get you to do anything mm -hmm. until I stop holding the gun to your head. Sure. Right. And then you'll do whatever you want. And then the intrinsic motivation. And when you can tap into intrinsic motivation, then then things start to happen. Now, what's really interesting about those motivation factors is with an entrepreneur is I can't motivate an entrepreneur to do anything. Right. And I've tried, trust me, <laughs> <laughs> but there are certain elements that do like, you know, when I had a 32 year old woman come to me in, in Honduras and say, I can't get a job. I have a family. I have a, a bachelor of science and, and I'm, I'm well, uh, you know, educated and all this kind of stuff. And I can't get a job. You know, what's her choices? Right. Her she's got a family. And so she could go into prostitution or drug dealing or arms dealing or some stupid thing, whatever it might be, that's harmful mm -hmm. and uh, dangerous for her and her family's life. Or she could try to start a business because she can't get a job. So what does she do? So we can't that motivation comes intrinsically. Right. She is looking for something and we just need to create a space and some simple frameworks for them to be able to do that we did that we helped her we, we saw her succeed yeah well My, yeah it, we went there can yeah. you tell us about hope worldwide uh yes sure uh so hope worldwide is a worldwide organization that does you know that does benevolent good it's very similar to red cross they have 70 some odd locations around the world in in uh, impoverished nations a lot of the time where they're helping um folks with you know medical brigades and construction and you know rebuilding after an earthquake or whatever it might be they excuse me they were the quarterbacks for a lot of the work in the ukraine uh they worked with nelson mandela over the years you know they're 30 years old as an organization 
Uh, they're semi-associated to our church, right? And so that's how I okay. got to know them over the years. And then I, so a couple of years ago, I approached them and I said, you know, this is great. We do all the services for them, but could we potentially turn that around and say, let's teach you to fish and and teach a little bit of entrepreneurship with a little bit of a micro loan and, uh, you know, a zero interest loan to give back and, and do it through crowdfunding similar to Kiva. And so we, we approached that in 2019 or so, and the team went, yeah. Let's do that. So we raised a couple of hundred thousand dollars and we uh, we started a pilot project down in Honduras and uh, we gave out our first loans April 2020. Right. Uh, right at the start of the pandemic. And it went absolutely bonkers. It was a police state and all this kind of stuff. Then they got hit with two hurricanes that summer. And uh, by the end of the year, we still ended up with 100 percent repayment of loans. You know, some were behind schedule, but everybody was making monthly payments, even if wow. that was a little reduced. So <clears throat> what I noticed from that, though, is we never told them what to do. We never held their feet to the fire. We never told them we were coming after them if they didn't pay. None of that. It was truly by extending trust and extending a community and extending capital and training to them that they turned around and, and honored that uh, with all their life, with all their ability. And so that goes really to that motivation thing. For people starting their own business, if it's the only thing, or say COVID hits and you are going to be kicked out of your job. Well, those are strongly motivational factors. It's not the only motivational factors, but those are the things that I think, like, what are we attaching to? It, it, and that's why I say, look at that life plan. What's the dent you want to leave in the universe? Is mm -hmm. your nine to five job getting you that? And if it isn't, well, what could you start on and start putting the foundation in place, the the, the, the deck or the, the, you know, the hull of the boat such that when you get it to the point where you want it to, it's something that you're proud of and excited about. So I don't think it's a matter of us necessarily motivating entrepreneurs as much as it's a matter of creating space and the fundamentals that they need so they can build whatever they want. Yeah, I, I want to touch on that a little bit because I know I know you're a man of faith and uh, I am too for my listeners out there. And I truly do believe that I believe that we all have a, a life plan. I, you know, I mean, I, I have to say, even though it's a little bit crazy, this sounds a little bit nuts. And I know this isn't typically the business development podcast that, that you guys know. But I just got to say, I've been incredibly fortunate and lucky in my life, Colin. Yeah, I've run into challenges. But I'll tell you what, when when the cards have been down, they were never down for long. And I feel like I was always, I always got the lucky side of the of the, of the chip if you know what i mean like if thing i've just been incredibly fortunate and it doesn't matter what it's been in my life you know what i mean Th for the most part if i if i wanted something bad enough i i found a way to get it if yep. uh if something was going to go bad there was always another avenue that that was great that that opened up for me or and so i have to say that i truly do yeah while i work really really hard and i put a lot of you know i don't i don't put all my all my uh all my all my cards on faith or on 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 luck, right? But the reality is, I feel like if you're if you put in the effort and you're really working towards something, the uh, the universe aligns for you. And, and I know it's a little woo woo. I'm sure to a lot of people that sounds a little bit wild, but I'll tell you, in my life, that has been the experience. Well, the there's a saying that says luck favors the prepared, right? And yeah. it's and it's and I think that that's it. I do a lesson actually, you know, I, I've, I've done, I've had my opportunity to speak a lot in my life and I really do enjoy it. I was terrified of it for years and I slowly got, slowly got better at it, but now, you know, I'll do a sermon and you know, you ever want good practice on speaking to people, do a sermon in front of a church that, you know, 
everybody there has probably better opinions and more understanding of the scriptures than you do. So yeah. when you get up front and you start talking about something that everybody knows is an expert in already, yeah. you, you're in for a bit of a ride. But my point is, I, I have a message on, on, you know, if God is real, why is there so much evil in the world? Right. And that's a, that's a really common question. And I got up and, and preached on that for, you know, 50 minutes, 40 minutes one day. And I, I really broke it down because similar to you, or maybe a little bit more extreme than you, and we're going to talk about this, I think, but that luck card hasn't always played for me. In fact, mm-hmm. it's probably gone the other way a lot more times than not. And so uh, because of that, you know, I have two choices. It doesn't matter what cards you get dealt, right? Uh, you have to play them. And yeah. and whether you play them well, or whether you fail at them, doesn't really matter. But, you know, failure isn't a a permanent state it's a, a choice and you know a turn an opportunity to turn around so mm-hmm. i'm i'm definitely not you know as optimistic as i was when i was a teenager thinking i could fly for crying out loud you know mm-hmm. uh, overly optimistic and arrogant but the idea that when life goes the way it goes you can't always choose and you have to figure it out so i'm definitely still optimistic in, in yeah. the grand scheme of things but I'll, I'll tell you anyways in that message there was three main points one if you don't pay your mortgage for a whole bunch of time and then wonder and then blame god for getting kicked out of your house you're doing it wrong right mm-hmm. sure. <laughs> so yeah. sometimes failure happens at your own hand yeah sometimes you know, we all have free will. And so people are idiots sometimes and, and they will take and steal and rape and pillage and, and cause all kinds of problems for other people. And you can't always work with that, but that's something we have to put up with. And then mm-hmm. the third thing is we live in a chaotic world. You know, we have hurricanes and earthquakes and crazy stuff that happens and cancers and, 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 and viruses and all kinds of things that we have no idea about. But what we can do in response to that is comfort one another. Right. And so all three of those disaster stories come for different reasons. One, we're idiots and do stupid things for our own, uh, even when we know it was dumb. Two, other people do stupid things and we sometimes get affected by it. And three, sometimes we can't control the environment around us, but we have to uh, deal with it and we can go and help others when we have a chance to. Right. Yeah, for sure. And and I guess what I want to touch on is I'm not saying that I've that I haven't had some incredibly bad luck. I have. Um, I've. I've definitely had some pretty bad times in my life, some incredibly challenging times. But I'll tell you what, um, I've managed to stay very positive. I I have a very positive outlook on life. I'm incredibly optimistic. And I realize that through every bad time, it will end and a new good time will start. And you have to just keep that mindset, even if you're feeling really burnt out, really low, or, you know, like you said, like other people do things sometimes that are incredibly painful and you just got to live through them and it sucks. But that too will end. And there's a way forward. And the key, like you said, it's it's in you, you have to try to find you have to find that positivity. And you have to find that optimism within yourself. But it's carried me through a lot of bad, a lot of bad. And and truly, like you said, I feel like because I've stayed so optimistic, because I've stayed so so positive, in some ways, maybe I have made my own luck. That I think that's true. There's a saying, I mean, I, you know, I have three older kids now. And you know, there's certainly been bouts of depression and challenges and you know certainly even we went through some of our biggest disasters and lost everything and had no money and all that kind of stuff when our kids were were little right so we had to deal with a lot of that and that was you know on me and my fault but here's the thing there's there was a saying i heard that i really loved and hopefully it'll help people too whatever is in here is a lot bigger than what's out there 
Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, we don't know what we're made of until we get squeezed. Right. And, and I've seen that even with employees, you know, you work with somebody and, and once the disaster hits, I mean, some of my closest friends, some of my trusted confidants are guys that have separate from me gone through the ringer and lost everything. And because of that, um, we have this connection, this ability to, you know, talk to one another and be open and real about stuff when others don't. And that goes back to that third element of being able to comfort one another. But what is inside of us is bigger than anything that comes at us, whether, mm-hmm. whether it's cancer, or business failure, or loss of life or money or people. We've had, you know, for us, we've had kids die. Uh, I've had kids almost asphyxiate themselves. We've had, my wife went through surgery. We had one kid addicted to morphine when he was born because of my wife's back. I mean, I've gone through countless stuff. I almost died of flesh eating disease. I mean, (laughs) throw it all on, like just keep keeping it on whatever it is. Right. But if you understand it, we have more inside of us than what's outside of us. And so we can overcome I don't wish it on anybody, but man, I'll tell you, when you get into that corner, you can fight or not, right? Yeah, for sure. For sure. I And you come like, you know, what I mean, when you walk out of something like that, you are a different person. And yeah, it's like little things, things that bothered you before they don't bother you anymore. I can't even imagine. Yeah, I can't imagine the resilience. Um, yeah. And we're going to get into this. Colin, Colin has a hell of a story and we're going to get into it. Like I said, this is going to be a two-parter, <laughs> no question. But I, I definitely want to stick to the business a little bit for now, Colin, because you truly, you have so much. And um, can you tell us a little bit about Think and then segue into The Entrepreneur's Roadmap, which is your book and now app? Uh, sure. So Think evolved. Think is kind of, well, Think is my parent company. It's a company I own that owns kind of all the other companies or whatever. And so I just, it that way I... It, risk it and blah 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 and tax yeah. reasons and sure it's it's my employer right i hired mm-hmm. uh, it, it, it i'm its employee and i get paid and all the money flows into that and then pays me right yeah so um but think is is kind of it's funny because it's changed and evolved over the years and it was it used to be think higher and it was because it was around hiring and recruiting and before that it was in graphic design and then supporting and helping entrepreneurs and it was just it's kind of the, done this evolution of service over the time. So think is, uh, you know, where I'll invoice from if I'm doing some contract work, whether it's training mentors, or coaching a company or, you know, uh, billing to an organization for, you know, some of the services that I provide in creating ecosystems or whatever it might be. So that's all that think really is. But out of that, what happened was that's where my brain trust is too. So the content for the book, the content for this curriculum and this uh, framework for helping entrepreneurs and training mentors, which is where the app kind of came in um, is it was all housed in think. And so I use that as where I license things out of. So to a group like entrepreneur roadmap, entrepreneur roadmap needed to become its own company because it has an app. It has a separate group of investors. It has a certain purpose. It has a specific outcome. And so we turn that into a, you know, in a shareholders agreement and an ultimate, you know, investment vehicle with a, a, a operational thing. But the evolution to get there was, you know, I mentored and coached a bunch of companies over the years. Yeah. Right. And every time I'd sit down, I'd inevitably get asked, Hey, Colin, you want to go for a coffee? And I'm like, yeah, let's go. I love coffee. You know, let's, and I want to ask a bunch of things. I'm starting a business. I want to get your opinion. Right. You like, might. sure. So I'd always ask the same questions. 
I'd always get the same blank stares and I'd always end up giving the same homework. And I'm like, this is cool, but it's weird. I wonder <laughs> if I could put this together. And so I did, I, I created this kind of model, this curriculum, if you will, this, this framework to say, okay, well, I, I knew you were going to ask that question because I'm just going to ask you a question and I knew you wouldn't have an answer. So I'm going to get you to go do some homework. Yeah. And so now I just send them to my own stuff because it's all there and it's just a kind of collection of all the outcomes that I've been using over the years. So what I've taken and worked with the $100, $150 million uh, entrepreneurs and leadership teams, I just slowly evolved that into a curriculum. And then we started doing cohorts, right? We do weekend cohorts and and, and I created slideshows and presentations and, you know, curriculum for these entrepreneurs. And slowly it evolved into, you know, this body of knowledge that kept growing. And eventually I wrote a book and put all the pieces around it to make that book. But I'm like, okay, this book is great. It's filled with QR codes so you can work through the exercises on your own. And so it's like a workbook, yeah. but you do it on your phone for the most part. And okay. then I'm like, this would be way better as an app. And so then we developed it into an app and now the app is out and it's, it's kind of uh, helping entrepreneurs, but really where it works even better is working with mentors who work with entrepreneurs because it's the framework that I would use as a mentor to help yeah. entrepreneurs. Right. Yeah, no, that's really cool. Uh, that's really, really cool. And I think uh, I, so just, just for the audience, I have actually ordered this book. You can either get it in an app or you can actually get, um, you can get his book on, uh, on Amazon. So yeah, if you guys want, yeah, for this, if you guys are enjoying this, you're enjoying this interview with Colin, um, he's got an, he's got a book. It's the entrepreneur's roadmap and, uh, you can pick it up on Amazon is where, is there other places that it's sold Colin? Oh, probably. I don't know. I mean, it's <laughs> funny because other places pick it up. I, I, you know, I did it because it was one of those things I needed to do for crying out loud. Yeah. I'm crying, climbing Mount Everest. Right. Yeah. And, and, and it was one of those things too. It was kind of funny because I had all of it done except for one chapter and a bunch of my friends or a couple of my friends had just, you know, kind of got through and released their book. I'm like, this is stupid. So I sat down on a weekend and I just pounded it out the last chapter and got it out to the editor and, you know, yeah. and then it became a book. Right. So. No, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, that's it. I mean, then the app is just the app is like I said, kind of the newer version. I mean, the, the book is interesting because it's got some stories in it, but yeah. the app is is a lot more condensed to kind of a choose your own adventure through entrepreneurship. That's really, really cool. I, I what I would like to know, what was it like writing a book? You know, I mean, obviously, we're, we're entrepreneurs, we're business people. What was it like to kind of sit down and be like, okay, now I got to figure out how to put this on paper? What was that experience like? Or how did you how did you come to that conclusion and then make the choice to start doing that? Because I feel I like it Sorry, go ahead. No, it's okay. I was gonna say, I feel like as, as like as like business entrepreneurs like me and you are, oh man, I love the idea of a book. It's like obviously in my mind, I think about it quite a bit. Like I do think at some point in my life I'm going to do one. I just sure. like I can't even imagine where to start. So like just from someone literally someone doing in the exact same kind of space, where did you start? How did that process start? Well, I, th I think it comes down to, well, I mean, really introducing me to the story and how I got to where I am, which you're kind of talking a little bit about and asking about, you know, that kind of mindset and things like that. But ultimately, it was, a, I think there's some value that I or a space that I see missing in the world. And I, I, actually, part of it was, I, now that you mentioned it, I sat down and I had a coffee with, you know, I meet with people all the time. And I'm, I, I sat down with a guy that was a New York Times bestseller publisher author or whatever and he started you know i'm like wow that's cool like how'd you write a book and blah 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 and he's, he kind of said the same thing and i'm like he's like well so what do you think the world is missing you know what what do they need to know when it comes to this space 
And I said, well, lots of people are doing what I write about and what I talk about. I mean, I just took a bunch of ideas from the 500 plus books that I've read, and I've seen the common theme over and over and over again. If you ever want to read a good book, uh, uh, Austin Cleone uh, writes a book called Steal Like an Artist. And and he talk, it's actually written in Instagram posts. Like it's like this little single page and it's just a couple of words on a page. It's really quite cool. But he talks about how artists like Picasso would come up with things and they would study their favorite artists and see a pattern. And then they would start to go, okay, well, that's cool. Why did that guy write like that? And they'd look at their muses and start to understand where that came from. And then they'd go under them and see their muses and kind of keep going. And all of a sudden by about two or three Thing layers deep, they have this own framework and this own methodology of how to do things. Now it's their own. It's the same thing that they've seen and evolved. I mean, I'm not doing anything other than standing on the shoulders of giants of other people that have done things very similarly, but I saw it in a hole. And so this guy, this author asked me the question, what's missing? I'm like, well, one thing that's missing is what goes on between the ears of the entrepreneur. When you blow apart at the seams and lose everything, we lost four and a half million dollars of other people's money. How do you rebuild? Everybody's got a book on how to business, but nobody talks about what goes on between the ears of the entrepreneur. And that's where the book started kind of evolving. And so I talk about my mindset and the story, the, 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 the crazy ride that happened to get to me where me to where I am. And, and that story became the thing that was missing in the world. And so, you know, you have a story about business development, about what the world should know about the space that you do a little bit differently. And so, and I think any entrepreneur has the same thing, this unique view of the world. So take that and explain it to the world the way you see it. Yeah. Right. So for me, it was just a matter of here's the core elements. Here's seven things that I think, the you know, seven buckets, if you will, and under those buckets, here are some rules. And under those rules, here are some exercises you can work through. And it became a book, right? That's so interesting. Like, I can't even imagine what that must have been like, especially once you finally got published. Like, it must it must be such an amazing feeling. It's, it's, it's cool. Like, it's really neat to kind of see it and, you know, look at it and go, hey, look, I got a book, you know, and, 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 and all that kind of stuff. So it's kind of fun. And then, but it's still bizarre. It's like writing your own autobiography or, or, you know, biography about who you are, like you introduced me. I'm like, this is stupid. I don't want any, you know, glory. I just want to try to get the idea out. Right. Yeah. I guess one of the questions that I have for you, and it's like, you know, I mean, I, okay, this is, this is maybe a little bit personal. But I guess what I'm getting at is, is like everybody wants to get to this point where they're like, yes, I've made it. And it's so funny because I've had so many people reach out to me, like family, friends who are like, Kelly, you're doing amazing. Like, you know, like I look at what you're doing and it's just it's next level. And it's like you've made it like they look at you and they're like, you've made it. And it's like, no, I don't I don't feel that way. You know, it's like, have you ever had a point where like it just you felt like, yes, you've made it. Cause I know for like, I know for me, and I don't know whether it's just, I'm holding myself to like this crazy impossible standard, but I feel like to the outside world, people can look at you and say like, you know what I mean? Even me, like I, I did this to you. I said, I said, I looked at you and I was just like, I was actually nervous to meet you. I really was because I look at somebody like you who has so many accomplishments, you know, like 30 years in business, started numerous businesses. You've been immensely successful. You've gone through a ton and then built it all back. And and you know, I mean, it's kind of like standing next to a giant sometimes from where I stand. But it's like, I'm like, it's so funny that like, even for me, I haven't really come, I've come a long way, but I don't see it. You know what I mean? Does that make sense yeah. to you? 
Yeah, 100%. I mean, and I think, well, I've had the fortune, I don't know what it was, whether it's, you know, this idea of Christianity and everybody's kind of equal at the foot of the cross. I mean, Christianity gets a pretty bad rap and frankly, it ought to with the way that people act. Uh, You know, people are idiots sometimes in so many different ways. But if we understood what it was really about, which is just just inclusive, like everybody's equal, everybody's the same, everybody's worth has, has value, treat people as equals and all that kind of stuff that it's supposed to be, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're not any better than anybody else. And so no. I, I think partly because of that, I haven't been very starstruck by many people, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, I, I'm always encouraged to meet people that are are cool and interesting. But it, to me, it's, you know, I've had the chance to work with, you know, several multi, multi-millionaires over and over and over and over again, and guys that have multiple businesses. And and I look up to them and they're my mentors and all that kind of stuff, but they're still just a bunch of goofy guys. And I love yeah. when you start getting into conversations and you're, you know, doing stuff telling stupid stories about whatever and getting together and watching UFC or whatever it might be. Like, it doesn't really matter having a barbecue. Everybody's the same. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Like I'm nothing special. I'm just a dude with a, you know, some kids and, and I, and I've had some disaster and some cool stories and, and, and I'm, I'm very comfortable. Have I ever felt like I've made it uh, yes and no. Like every day I wake up and I'm the, the happiest guy in the world because my life is, is pretty darn awesome. But yeah. I enjoyed it when it, I still enjoyed it and found ways of founding joy when I was making $16,000 a year with a family of five, yeah. right? I, we couldn't survive. We were surviving off of rice, but there's a way to be grateful. There's a way to find joy in it. There's a way to enjoy it. You know, the fact that I have my health, I have my family, I have my friends, I have a house, a roof over my head. And even if you have none of that, we've had, I've had so much taken away from me. We've lost our house. We've lost mm-hmm. our business. We've lost uh, kids. All of these things, whatever it is, there's always worse and there's always better. So it's not worth looking up or down to anybody. Mm-hmm. Just enjoy the things around you and take it, uh, take opportunity in, in, in being grateful for what you have and, and, and learning from the people around you. There's somebody one step ahead of you and there's somebody one step behind. One of my mentors actually uses this analogy all the time. He's is like, think of tennis. Right. You should always have somebody that when they serve to you, you can't even return it. Like yeah. you just miss it every single time. And you should always have somebody that you could just go back and forth with all day, back and forth. They win, you win, they win, you win, you win, they win, you know, back and forth. And there should always be somebody that when you hit the ball to them, they can't hit. Yeah. And that's the way we should be in life, right? There should always be somebody we're helping up. There's somebody we learn from and, and spend peer-to-peer relationships with, and there's somebody we're learning from. And it doesn't matter whether you're, you know, the Elon Musks of the world. I wish you'd learn from more people, right? Sure. <laughs> no comments on that. But <laughs> yeah, no, I, I completely agree. It's like when you sit across the table and you have lunch with somebody, you realize pretty quick that, you know, within about five minutes that you really had nothing to worry about. But it's so funny. It's so funny because, you know, I mean, I've been doing this for forever, Colin, like for this point, like it's been my entire career. I've pretty much been doing meetings and business development for over 15 years right. in some capacity or another. And I would say that even it's so funny because even to this day, I still get nerves from time to time. You know, I'll still sit across from from a Colin Christensen and I'll be like, I'll be a little bit nervous at first. But it's so funny because like you said, after about five minutes, you realize you had nothing to worry about. But it's like getting through that initial nerves, getting through that first five minutes. Uh, it, it can sometimes be pretty hard on people, especially people that uh, they're not they're not experienced in meetings. It's true. You know, somebody said 
the idea of, you know, if you're speaking to a crowd, like public speaking is a, is a real nervous point for a lot of people. And I mm -hmm. really enjoy it now. Right. And it's partly because I think there's an opportunity for me to just be a goofball uh, and uh, extend my energy. Like I can, you know, my energy is pretty big as it is. And so if yeah. you know, give me a room of, you know, 200 people and I can fill it with my, you know, energy. But what I think is most fascinating about it is, you know, people said, oh, you just picture them all naked or whatever. I'm like that doesn't do me any good. But what really made a difference is being able to, when I, whoever I'm talking to, if I'm standing in a bright crowd, I'll look at anybody in the audience and I can tell if I'm connecting. Mm -hmm. Right. Because if I look at them, we're all human. That's the funny thing is I have the same loves and passions and desires as anybody else. I want to be included. I want to be seen as all right, you know, and, and, and a nice enough guy and all that kind of stuff. And I want to make a difference in the world. So if I'm looking at a guy and I'm talking to them and they're going, huh, you know, kind of tilting their head or yeah. just not quite engaging, I know I'm not saying things right. If I get a guy going like this in the audience and I'm like, OK, I'm saying something right. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's the different. individuals that we're connecting with. And it's just a room of individuals, not an audience of a bunch of naked people. That doesn't isn't going to do me any good to make it equal. Yeah, yeah. I've had I've had very limited public speaking. I, I find I find that I'm sure I could do it now, but there was definitely a time, man. I don't think I could have done it. But yeah, I think I, I remember doing a public speech actually to my college once I graduated because they were they were pretty impressed. I got a pretty good job right out of college, and they're like, "Oh, you should come by and like speak to everyone." <laughs> it took me a, it took me a minute, man. I was pretty nervous at first, but um, what I always find I always find that nerves nerves are something that they're short lived. Like typically, if you just get started and you start running through it, and even if you make a mistake, just keep going. Realistically, after about a minute, they they come down. They don't they don't tend yeah. to go up and up and up and up forever until you collapse. Typically, you know, they peak and then they come down. So if you can just get through that first five minutes, that first 10 minutes, maybe even less if it's a literal public speech, um, you're gonna be okay. But you just gotta get through those first, those first minutes of nerves. Yes. Which tells me that it's not the situation that's nerve wracking. It's the fear of what it is. I am claustrophobic, right? I remember I went to St. Louis and I thought, I want to go up in the arch. Like I'm here and this is going to be cool. I'm not going to get a chance to come back. I'm going to go up in the arch. And I'm like, you know, blindly just going, yeah, let's go, man. That sounds cool. So yeah. I went in and I'm looking at the pictures and seeing the stuff and I'm by myself because my wife wasn't with me and I was at a conference and I'm like, okay, this is cool. And I get down and I, and I don't know if you've ever been there, but the, the, there's an elevator and it's built in like the, you know, 1920 or 1915 or something like that. And, and so they have these little steps and then there's these little doors uh, little round doors and then there's the little elevator pods and these pods are little steel elevator pods and you're supposed to fit six people in there or something ridiculous like that right <laughs> yeah. and and so i'm claustrophobic i'm like da -da -da, loo -loo, you know not even thinking about anything they open up the door and i'm looking at that thing and going nope that's not <laughs> gonna happen and i'm like okay let's let's try let's let's just try and see what i can do and they're saying like okay whatever you do don't touch the sides because the whole thing's conductive and if you touch the sides it'll stop and then we have to wait and you're gonna sit in that thing i'm like starting to sweat like a dickens and 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 i'm with they put you with the little group and i've got a family of four it's yeah. two little kids and a, two adults and me right and i'm going okay hold the horses i'm gonna go sit in this thing and see if i can do it so i go sit in there and you're kind of hunched over yeah. and i'm like i'm looking at the chairs over here and i'm like this is not gonna go well like i am <laughs> gonna 
freak out in in like two seconds as soon as the thing starts moving and I'm not going to get up there. And then so the but it, it's the panic of the anticipation versus what actually happens. I yeah. can get claustrophobic in my yeah. bed in my room mm-hmm. and it's all psychological. Yes. Right. And so same with, I think, speaking and all these fears that we have, we're anticipating what could go wrong or how bad it could go instead of the actual situation. Whereas if we live in the moment and do it, it's funny what we can get through. True. hundred percent. I totally agree with you. It is, it is even, even though it's like to you, it's incredibly real. The feelings you're feeling, I'm not discounting them. They're incredibly real, but you can control them. Like they are in your, your body. Right. So I don't know. It's, it's hard because it's like, I'll be honest, Colin, I still haven't found a way to completely alleviate my anxiety in moments like that. Sure. However, what I found there are things that I can do. Like for instance, I can have less coffee on those days, which for me, I'm a huge coffee drinker. But if I have too much coffee and then I have a meeting that I'm nervous about, not a good, not a good mix. I'm not going to be in good shape. But if I if I don't have coffee that morning, maybe I have a little workout that morning. Maybe I kind of do some things to calm my own body before I put myself into a situation that might be a little bit stressful for me. I perform considerably better. That anxiety point is much less time. It might be like a minute versus five minutes or whatever. And um, I find that I can I can come back. But it's it's so funny. It's it's so funny to think that at this point I've probably had thousands of meetings in my life, and I still from time to time get nervous. So I, I actually have an entire episode talking about anxiety and nerves in meetings because it's like if I have you know what I mean if I still get it, don't feel bad if you get it. <laughs> of course, of course. And and it's so true. But that's the thing. I mean, again, I think one of the things that makes a lot of it better for me is, you know, really recognizing that we're human to human, right? Like, you know, nobody's, you know, sure, maybe I can punch my weight and, you know, better than the next guy. Yeah, it's probably not going to come fist to cuffs in a room with, you know, talking about spreadsheets, right? But, but at the same time, but, you know, does this, is this guy who's a multi-billionaire that I'm talking with, is he going to somehow impose his will on me and make me feel uncomfortable? Sure. He might embarrass me with something he says, but this is the thing. If we, we, you know, if we just recognize that we're all human and we all have fears and we all have anxieties, you know, I think we're a lot more uh, able to relate with one another on a better level. Yeah, no, absolutely. We're all human. I think that that should really be the takeaway from this episode. It doesn't really matter where you're sitting or who you're sitting across from. At the end of the day, you likely have families, you likely have things and and hobbies that you enjoy, you probably have something in common. The reality is, is that if you can find ways to connect to people as humans, and kind of maybe not focus so much on their success, or you know, you're sitting across from a multimillionaire or a billionaire. Um, just remember, like I said, at the end of the day, we are all human. I, I get that that can still be something on your mind. It can be something that gives you anxiety. But I think you'll find that if you do sit across from them and you start talking, you're going to have something in common because we're just all people. <laughs> you know, I'm going to tie this back to entrepreneurship and back to the original thing on the customer idea. So whether you're B2B, D2C, B2C, whatever it is your business is, it's always human human. Right. So if you are going and selling this cool technological advancement to a corporation, you're still solving a problem for that person in that seat at that time. Maybe it's that they don't want to get fired. Maybe it's they want to look good to their boss. Maybe they just want to make sure they have enough money to pay for a sick kid at home. We have no idea what it is. But, you know, there's that saying that says nobody ever gets fired for hiring IBM. Right. Mm -hmm. That's a statement for a reason. 
There's a reason that people hire IBM because they're feeling safe. It's not because IBM has all the cool whistles and features and things like that. It's they're solving a problem in a way that is safe and in control and make sure that I can look good as a human. Mm-hmm. So that's where I think all of this comes down to is when we are going sales you know, or entrepreneurship or things like that. We're not going out to sell this thing to say, look how cool it is. And here's all the features that it has. We're saying, you know what? You and I, you know, zipper our pants the same way. We tie our shoes the same way. I bet you, you have an emotional need that makes you feel good, looks good and sounds good. I think I can help you with that. Yeah. Right. When I buy a pair of pants, it's because I'm getting fat and I eat too much. Right. But I'm not going to tell anybody that I just don't want a new pair of pants. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. if you can actually attach it to that, guess what? Why do you think all those ads on perfume are the way they are and all the insurance ads are the way they are and all those stupid pharmaceutical ads are the way they are? Because they're selling a transformation mm-hmm. for the human that's on the other side of it, not the product itself. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. That's like at the end of the day, you know, I mean, I've never sold anything to a business. I've sold many, many things to individuals. And um, I don't foresee that changing anytime soon. And I'll tell you what, what I always like to think too, is like, typically, if people meet with you, I know a lot of a lot of companies, they they have a meeting, and then they're scared. They're like, Oh, well, now I get into the space where I really got to sell something. Well, let me just tell you that if this if this customer that you have a meeting with, if they didn't think that they had a need for your service, they would have never booked the meeting. <laughs> Like, you know, I mean, we're all busy. We don't have time to waste. I, I definitely don't have time to waste. I know Colin doesn't have time to waste. We're not going to take meetings with people if we're not interested in something that they have. Yeah. And so one of the things I want to speak to you is, is don't go into a meeting and sell, 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 like connect with them, have a conversation. You know, I mean, the reality is I always say the business will come. The business talk will come on its own organically. Don't force it. Don't force it. Sit down, ask about their kids, ask about their last vacation, figure out, did they get a new motorbike this year? Are they going, are they doing a riding trip or something? Try to connect with them as people first, because the reality is like, we know why we're there. We know at the end of the day, there's some business potentially to be done, but nobody wants to just be sold anything. No one wants you to force their product down their throat. Just have a conversation and eventually in my experience the customers almost always turn the talk over to the business side and start to let you know what their problem is curiosity and humility yeah yeah it's uh connection right it's human connection human connection needs to come first in all business before any product before any service yeah all right well you know you are on the business development podcast colin so i do want to pick your brain because you have built a lot of businesses and uh, something tells me you've done a lot of your own business development too during that time and i just want to i just want to ask you in your opinion what has been the most effective way to grow your various businesses Hmm. well i think uh you know in in very high level view i see a problem in the world check to see if other people see this problem the same way, figure out a way to translate it. Cause it's always an issue of translation, right? I speak a language and when I say, say things in a certain way, people don't always hear it. Mm-hmm. Right. So you've got to figure out the language that they're using to describe that problem. And then once you understand the language, you can use that language to talk to them in a way that's meaningful for them. Yeah. Right? And this goes for everything from psychology to whatever, you know, uh, relating music and, you know, games and all that kind of stuff, sports, whatever it is. But to me, it, the most effective way to sell something is you just mentioned it is it's it's human to human. It's a it's about relationships and things like that. You can't 
sell something to somebody. You have to understand what they're fighting for, what they're looking for, what would make a difference to them. And then, frankly, you should be able to easily walk away if it's not the right fit. Right. Like, why waste our time on selling something to somebody that nobody wants? Right. So let's focus on the on the things if we understand it. But where does it come from? Why is it happening? What's making it a difference? And then once you do start to figure it out, like I spend enough time with entrepreneurs now that, you know, I get it and I'm advocating for them all the time. The early stage entrepreneur to the big institutions and to the banks and to the governments going, what are you trying to sell them? This is not making any sense for them. Can we just go back to what they really need? Yes, yes. And I want to touch on this briefly, because I have an entire section on it in my podcast where I talk about, make sure that you are selling to people who can actually need and buy your product. Because I see this a lot too. I see a lot of customers trying to like just searching different industries, trying to just fling their product everywhere. And it's like, they're not even taking the time to figure out necessarily who needs it. But you are wasting a ton of time if you are not qualifying your customer to make sure they even need or or want your product my favorite framework for this we talked about this earlier is the uh, concept of a job to be done so the example i mean i'm summing up a bit of a video but clayton christensen does a really great video he's a harvard graduate no relation to me unfortunately uh great uh harvard professor but he's dead now but he wrote a couple of great books one of them is the innovator's dilemma another one is um uh prosperity uh, paradox and things like that. But he, he talks about this idea of a job to be done. And he, and he said, we were trying to figure out what's the deal with McDonald's milkshakes. And he does this video on this and you can go and look it up. Clayton Christensen, jobs to be done, JTBD, uh, McDonald's milkshakes or whatever. But they're like, okay, so they found out that a lot of the sales of milkshakes were happening in the morning. And they're trying to figure out why that was happening in the morning. And it turns out that, you know, it's the perfect thing. If you've ever tried to commute with a sandwich in your hand, it doesn't really work. And if you just get a pop or a juice, there's not enough viscosity to it, right? You want something that you can almost chew. And so McDonald's milkshakes happen to be thick. Really thick, Right? And so that it turned out to be, so what's the job to be done? Yeah. So if if you understand the job to be done, and it's not about selling a pair of pants, it's about you know covering yourself so you're not naked in public, but also you know you want your butt to look good or whatever you want to do, or it, it's the right appropriate wear for the job that you have. But you need to understand what the job is to be done. Somebody mm-hmm. is not wanting to be fired, and so they're trying to create a software that integrates all their different doohickeys in the back end and so they have a job to be done you're not selling this piece of software so you can make some money and and be good to your boss although that's your job to be done but what's their job to be done because they're going to buy based on three areas they're going to buy based on the functionality which is the least important element they're going to buy for the social element how does this make me look to people around me, my kids, my wife, my parents, my coworkers, my boss, whatever it is? And then finally, what is the emotional element that makes me, you know, transform, right? I want to feel like a hero. I want to feel like, uh, you know, a, a great dad. I want to look good, you know, feel confident. Whatever that emotion is, that's why we buy. But nobody ever addresses that when they're doing the sales. And so they're selling the functions, every engineer ever sells based on every feature and function they have. Uh, Steve Jobs 
you know, imagine a thousand songs in your pocket. Yeah. Yeah. Sure, that's a little bit of functional, but it's, it's amazing now. It's amazing now to think of a world without a thousand songs in your pocket. Right. <laughs> or the entire world in your pocket. Right? Yeah. 20 years later. It's pretty amazing. Um, Colin, you know what? Uh, I want to wrap this up for part one because, but it has been absolutely amazing. This has been a great conversation. I, I do want to end it off with this part with just one question. And I just want to say, you know, you've started a lot of businesses. You've worked with a lot of entrepreneurs. If you could give one piece of advice to an entrepreneur, either just getting started or looking to take that leap from all your experiences, what would that be? <laughs> okay. I'm going to give three only because it's the top three that happens all the time. And okay. one, we, we've, we've kind of touched on all three, but well, no, we've actually really only touched the first one. The biggest one, the one that most common happens is your idea is probably awesome. Prove it. Go and find somebody else who thinks it's awesome too. You only yeah. need five. Don't try to build for the thousand. Try to find five that think you're, where have you been all my life? That's the first yes. thing. Second thing, cash flow is very different than budget. Mm -hmm. Cash flow is a timing issue. If I have rent due on, you know, on Friday and I don't get paid till two weeks from Friday, I'm screwed. I could have everything on numbers look good on paper, mm -hmm. but if it's a timing problem, that's a cash flow problem. Solve that. Third thing, don't hire your out of work brother-in-law. Okay. So, you know, just because he said he could develop something and you want him to do an app for you, there's probably a reason why he's out of work. Mm -hmm. So slow down the whole hiring process. Everything needs to slow right down. Only bring in the right people for you and your business. And it's not based on function. It's more based on the culture. It's based on the where you're trying to go. It's based on capacity. It's based on a lot of different things. But those are the three main things that I want every entrepreneur to try to get down. One, go talk to your customers. Find out why they're having the problem that you think you can solve. Where does it come from? My favorite little thing, I'm going to have a really short little story. I love this. I might have mentioned this to you before, but you know, people say they buy a drill because they're looking for a hole, right? Let's stop for a second and dig in on that for even more. Okay, so, sir, you want a drill? Yes, I'd like a drill. Why do you need a drill? I need a hole. Why do you need a hole? I need a plug, to, a receptacle to put in. Why do you need a receptacle? Well, I want to plug in a light. What do you need a light for? Well, I want to be able to read at night. Go buy a Kindle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? So the whole thing is, I mean, we're trying to sell drills all the time when we don't understand the problem. Certain people need a drill for a very specific reason, but if we're they actually need a Kindle, then why are the heck are we trying to sell them a drill all the time? So we need to understand where the problem comes from so we can actually address that problem. That's the biggest issue that I wish I could solve in entrepreneurship. Yeah, and and it's like you have to ask those probing questions to get to that answer, to truly figure out what the desired need is. And that's, you know, I mean, really, I see that as our job. As anybody in a meeting selling products, you need to find out you know, first off, you, you know, your customer may or may not need your product, you need to ask enough questions to figure out what their problem truly is to know whether or not you have a product that will fit that need or not. And you have to be okay if that if it comes down to it. And the answer is, you know, they actually don't need your product. In a lot of ways, I think that that, that means a lot of humility. If you can tell a customer, you know what, I, I hear what you're saying. I don't think that what we have is the right fit. But I really enjoyed this conversation anyway. And you know, maybe in the future, it will be but you have to be able to, 
to walk away sometimes if your product is not going to fit that bill instead of trying to cram it down their throat. A no is actually a lot more powerful than a yes. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is a no will help you not only get out of there faster if it's the wrong thing, but it also, a lot of time it's like, no, but it's a no because you haven't explained it or you haven't understood the problem yet. Too many people have a soft yes. Oh yeah, yeah, sure. And then they never follow up and they never buy anything. That's a waste of everybody's time. So find the no's. No, 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 no. Narrows it right down to a very specific thing that you think you could probably solve for them. Absolutely. And I'm going to touch on this too, because from a business development standpoint, people are afraid of no's, but I encourage it. I say, look, give me the no as quickly as possible so that I can move these people out and put someone in there that can give me a yes. Because like you said, if I'm getting a bunch of soft yeses and they're just wasting my time, I got to call them week after week after week. I want that no. And I think that's what I got really effective at BD when I stopped being afraid of no and started hunting for no. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think that's Awesome, Colin. This has been amazing. Um, I got so much great information in this episode. I just, I just want to thank you so much for coming on. And um, just for all my listeners, this has been Colin Christensen. Uh, he, many, many businesses he's, he's founded, started, been a president of. Um, but the one that he's probably most known for would be Entrepreneur Roadmap. So if you guys are just starting your business, um, he's got a book, he's got an app. Check it out. It's got lots of great information. And um, this is going to head into part two. So stick around next week and uh, catch us for part two of the interview with Colin Christensen, president of the Entrepreneur Roadmap. Thanks again, Kelly. And that is the end of this week's episode, part one, an interview with Colin Christensen. If you've enjoyed this episode as much as I have, please make sure that you stay tuned next week for part two, where we get into Colin's inspirational story of success, crushing pain, and back again. It's a truly amazing story that you will not want to miss. If you've enjoyed today's episode, I please encourage you to uh, either go to my website, hop on Spotify, or wherever you listen. Please give us a rating, subscribe for future episodes. And until next time, we'll catch you on the flip side. This has been Kelly Kennedy, and you are listening to the Business Development Podcast. Take care. This has been the Business Development Podcast with Kelly Kennedy. Kelly has 15 years in sales and business development experience within the Alberta oil and gas industry and founded his own business development firm in 2020. His passion and his specialization is in customer relationship generation and business development. The show is brought to you by Capital Business Development, your business development specialists. For more, we invite you to the website at www.capitalbd.ca. See you next time on the Business Development Podcast. Business Rockstars, we at the Business Development Podcast humbly invite you to be part of our journey. Despite our global reach spanning over 130 countries and our status as an award-winning show, we remain committed to delivering valuable insights and engaging content to our audience of decision makers. With two episodes released every single week and a back catalog of over 100 episodes, we strive to provide our listeners with the latest strategies and trends in business development and business growth. Why consider sponsoring us? Our listeners trust us to deliver authentic, informative content, making it an ideal platform for you to showcase your brand in a genuine and meaningful way. 
Choose from flexible sponsorship packages tailored to fit your advertising needs. With a back catalog of over 100 episodes and an average of eight new episodes released every single month, there are plenty of opportunities for you to connect with our audience. If you believe that your brand aligns with our humble mission, reach out to us at podcast at capital bd.ca. Let's start a conversation and explore how we can collaborate to elevate your brand together. Thank you for considering us. Send us an email at podcast at capital bd.ca and let's partner for the future.